Welcome to the Bible Q&A Podcast, the show that answers your questions about the Bible, Christian theology, and church history. This podcast is brought to you by Risen Ministries and Creation Today. Now here are your hosts, Tim Chafee and Eric Hoven. Is heaven real? And who was Cain afraid of when God confronted him? I'm Tim Chafee. And I am Eric Hovind. And we are passionate followers of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we want to share with you what we've been learning and what we've been studying over the years, and we want to answer your questions. That's the idea behind the Bible Q&A podcast. And the whole point of sharing it with you is so that you can share it with others. And speaking of sharing with others, if you wouldn't mind giving this podcast a review and a little share on your social media, we would really appreciate it. It's kind of like being able to help without lifting a finger, except you have to lift a finger to push a share button. That's that's about it. Yeah, unless you've got um, one of those voice command things, you can just say share. That's or, a good point. I and just... hopefully it doesn't start playing a share song. That would be bad. <laughs> hey, also on today's podcast, we're going to talk about which Bible translation is the right one. Oh, it's going to be an interesting, interesting conversation. Let's start off with this one. Tim, who was Cain afraid of? I think there's a few things we have to to think about here. Um, the, the whole idea behind this question, Eric, where is it? What do you? What's the idea? Why why are people saying that Cain was okay, afraid? Okay. Well, after Cain killed Abel, God kind of confronted him, and he said, "You know, my punishment." Cain said, after God confronted him, Cain said, "My punishment is greater than I can even bear." Uh, in the in the passage, it says, "Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face." I shall be hidden. I shall be a figure and a, a fugitive, excuse me, and a wanderer on the earth. And whosoever finds me will kill me. So he's basically going, look, I'm done. You've you've marked me. I'm 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 worthless out there. So uh, this is from the passage in Genesis chapter four, verses thirteen and fourteen, where this comes from. Um, right, and it's that last part that I think triggers the question of, you know, whoever finds me will kill me. Well, who's out there? Yeah, so Cain killed right. Abel. Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel, right? There's only three people on the earth at this time, right? That's what we usually assume, and then we would be wrong. Yeah, um, because <laughs> because when when we follow the passage, what happens next is Cain does leave uh, with his wife, and he and his wife, um, you know, they they have a child, and... Uh, then he, then it, then Genesis four follows his lineage and um, all the way down to this guy named Lamech who has two wives and then he has, um, you know, Tubal Cain and Jubal and Jabal are are his sons and then this woman named Naama. Um, so there's you get that whole lineage. So he he wasn't alone. He went with his wife. It doesn't say that he went to the land of Nod and found a wife. That's right. why some people read that, but it doesn't say that. So he's already um, married at this point. Probably already has he's already children married. at this point. Yeah. There's probably yeah, and, a lot of people on the planet already at this well, point. Well, and that's the thing. Genesis 5-4 says that Adam and Eve had other sons and daughters. Um, so really this gets back to the question of who was Cain's wife. Well, originally brothers married sisters. I know that's disturbing in our day. <laughs> that, well, it, I mean, I'm sure it is. It, yeah. For anybody who has a sister, like I've got three of them. Yeah, that's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure if you're listening... Uh, Heather, Holly, or Becky, um, I'm sure it's more disturbing for you to think about that. Than- <laughs> <laughs> That's um, great. Well, I've got a sister, yeah. and I'm sure if Marlissa is listening, she's thinking the same thing. Yeah, no thanks. 
Uh, but that did have to happen, obviously, originally. Uh, it's And think of, think of the alternative. I mean, the evolution worldview, when they make fun of uh, this idea that Adam's sons married sisters, they believe that an amoeba came about by chance and married itself and just, you know, continued to split apart and produce. So, come right, on. Right, and even more than, I mean, so you have like the asexual reproduction there. Yep. But at some point, it develops into sexual reproduction, and you'd, you'd have this, what, you know, people would refer to it as inbreeding. You'd have this millions and millions and millions of times over with every different species as it comes on board, basically. Yes. As it, uh, you, there's going to be this tiny little group of that's continually inbreeding. So they, they would say that, you know, how can you believe the Bible? Look at this, this inbreeding. But their problem is much, much greater. Yeah. Inbreeding um, doesn't work, okay? Ask the royalty right. of England, okay? It's not a good thing. Are you talking about the current or like in the well, past? No, I was talking about in the past. Of course, I'm down okay. here in uh, L.A., lower Alabama, the, the panhandle of Florida <laughs> they call L.A. And uh, anyway, not good no matter well, what I'm, part of the country you're in, okay? Or the I'm, living, I'm living in Kentucky, but that's, <laughs> I won't say anything else. We're stopping right there. We're done right, right there. So the issue... So my family tree has more branches than most. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, sorry. Uh, um... Yeah, I couldn't resist. I, I could have, but I didn't. Yeah, um, that's right. All right, but, but really the heart of this question, it, it's a misunderstanding of what's going on in in the beginning. It's a misunderstanding. That there were already other people there. Not that God had created other people outside of Adam and Eve. It's that Adam and Eve had a family. They had uh, they had a lot of kids. They had sons and daughters. Uh, we know they had Cain, Abel, and after Abel was killed, they had Seth. And it tells us they had other sons and daughters. So there's at least two more girls and at least two more boys. So there's at least seven kids that they had. Yeah. But probably much more. I mean, yeah. Adam lived to 930. If Eve lived close to his life, his lifespan, let's say she's 900, and even if she could have kids for a third of her lifetime, that's, that's 300 a, years. That's a lot have, of childbearing years, right? Yeah. There. Even if she has ten, one kid every 10 years, that's Nin 30 kids. 19 kids and counting has nothing. Jim Bob, you got nothing on Adam <laughs> and Eve. All right. Yeah. Now we don't know how many they had. It, it just says other sons and daughters. But originally, brothers married sisters. And people who read the Bible think, well, doesn't the Bible outlaw that? Doesn't it tell us you can't do that? Yeah. In Leviticus. Right. This is thousands of years later. And uh, for the people who who trust Scripture and still look at this and say, I don't like that answer. Well. Who did Abraham marry? Yeah. His half-sister. Half-sister. Who did his son Isaac marry? His cousin. First cousin. And then Jacob marries his cousin. It, this this isn't something that was rare at that time, uh, but it is something that would later be uh, forbidden. And there's good reasons for that. Genetically speaking, you start to have more and more problems the further we get away from Adam and Eve. You remember, so, Tim, when we were at the, uh, the protest of the protest, when they were opening up the Ark Encounter, and David Silverman was get right in my face, and he's like, they were calling it the the, gen, uh, the, uh, the incest park because, hey, this requires incest. And I was asking David, why is incest wrong? According to your <laughs> worldview, why is incest wrong? And ultimately, the evolutionist worldview can't really answer other than, well, it causes deformities. It causes bad things to happen. How do we know that's not going to mutate and cause something better at some point? You know, why not yeah, just try it? Right, they're dependent... <laughs> But but they're dependent. <laughs> they're they're dependent on mutations. So yes. Why not just try it. Here's a good way to get some, David. You know. Yeah. But, but ultimately, they're 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 calling it the Genesis and incest uh, the the incest park because they're saying incest is bad, and the whole reason it's bad is because of the deformities, and we say that that's bad now. Back when Adam and Eve were created. They were perfect. I mean, I love uh, John Sanford's information on genetic entropy inside of us. He's going, look, 
we're getting a lot more mutations now, but they didn't start off that way. And you can actually trace it back and see that original man was actually better. It was a, a better genetically than we are today. So Adam's right. son's marrying sisters was not a genetic problem. It would not have caused the problems that we have so that's, today. That's genetic load, correct? The, yes. You know, the more and more problems we get. Yeah. So you have um, the other thing to think about is when did this event occur? You know, we usually think of, oh, they were like teenagers, right? Yeah. Well, Probably not. In fact, it tells us that after Cain killed Abel, then Eve conceives again and she has another son. And this time they name him Seth. And she says that he, essentially she talks about how he's like a replacement for Abel, whom Cain killed. It seems like Abel had just been killed shortly before that because now this son is a replacement for him. It's not like they were waiting. You know, Adam was 130 when that happened. Yeah. So it's not like they were waiting 100 years and then finally had another son. Uh, it was, this would be the son who was born shortly after Abel was killed, you know, maybe within the, first, the next few years. That would mean that Cain and Abel were probably in their 120s. Wow. And that's if, that's if you use the Masoretic text, and this is a different issue, but if you use the Septuagint, he's 230 when that, Adam's 230 when that happens. So how many, could Abel have been married? Yeah. Sure. Uh, could he have had kids? Yep. He would, even at 100, let's say he was 120, he's old enough to have grandkids. Yeah. So who might Cain be afraid of besides the fact that he's got other brothers and sisters who might be really mad at what he just did to their brother too, or Abel's kids who would be uh, Cain's nieces and nephews. They might be kind of upset about what he did to dad. Absolutely. There could be dozens and dozens and maybe at this point even hundreds of people who would be very upset with what Cain did and would want revenge for what he did. So the very so, idea that he knew that somebody might kill him, do you think this leads any credence to the idea, that uh, maybe I'm going on a rabbit trail here, that, that possibly this had happened before, but what we're reading in Scripture is really the story that leads to Jesus Christ, and it's kind of a focused in on the people that, are, that, are, that brought about the, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, from Adam all the way to Jesus. Uh, so there are other people. We know that you know Lamech was really a, a bad dude. He he wasn't good. So he, well, the bad Lamech, yeah. There's the, Noah's dad is also named Lamech. He's the good one. Oh, my bad. <laughs> the bad one. Yeah. <laughs> the one on, in Cain's line wasn't very good, but right. the one in Noah's line seems to have been pretty good. So the idea that this could have happened at some other with somebody else. The the idea, or was this the first murder? It seems like this is probably the first one. Yeah, we are reading primarily this this line that's going to go to Jesus. Although Cain and Abel aren't in that line, um, Seth is. Right. But. Um, it it does seem as if this is the first time something like this happens. We Jesus talks about how um, you know the Bible tells in the New Testament. Oh, the blood that of Abel. Satan That's the, right. Well, the blood of Abel, and then you also read in the New Testament that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And it doesn't seem as if that's referring to the first sin. Now, maybe it is, because that's what brought death. But it seems like it's probably referring to this. Uh, that, talking about Cain. Him influencing um, Cain and yeah, so there. It does seem like it's the first one, but they could have had a lot of kids at that point and a lot of people who would have sought revenge. It, what doesn't make sense is that what some people will say, some Christians will say, well, God made other people out there. Okay, first of all, he didn't. Eve was to be the mother of all the living. Right. And um, so that means they, we all go back to Adam and Eve, that he didn't make other people. But even if he did, why would they go after Cain? If they're not related to him in any way, if they don't mm. know him, if he's just going out to the land of Nod and finding a wife, which is how they usually say it, why would they get upset with him for killing somebody they've never met before? That, that they have no relation sense. to. So that doesn't even make sense. Um, if we just take the Bible in a straightforward way, we can make sense of this. We just got to dig a little deeper to find out 
you know, some of the details, like how old were they? When, when did this happen? Who else could have been on the earth at that point? And what was the mark that was put on Cain? I tell you what, we don't have time to answer that right now, but if you want to hear the answer to that one, because I've heard some very interesting answers to what was the mark put on Cain, and he's going to be the servant of servants. And so I've, I've yeah, heard Yeah, you some... know what, and we, we don't have time to get into that, but it was not the origin of, of you know, dark skin. You're, you're killing it, man. That was my, that was my little, my, cliff, my cliffhanger, man. Nobody's going to yeah, listen well, to that episode I, now. now they know I, I don't want to give, yeah, I don't want to give any sort of acknowledgement <laughs> to the idea that, that it wasn't that. But it could so, be that. Anyways. All right. Okay. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I didn't. I don't believe that either. So we're we're good. Well, that that brings me to the question. Okay, Cain kills Abel. Did Abel go to heaven? Is heaven even real? Cliff asked this question. By the way, Cliff, thanks for writing in. And if you want to write in, it's bqa at creationtoday.org. Bqa at creationtoday.org for Bible question and answer. Cliff asks, yeah. is heaven real? Uh, so you you asked about Abel and yeah. you know, the blood of righteous Abel. He's called righteous, and Hebrews eleven talks about him. I, yeah, he's he's called righteous. So uh, I think that we'll get to see Abel someday. Uh, what is meant by well? Is heaven real? What first of all, what's meant? And, by And heaven? hang on, hang on. Some people will get to see Abel one day. Just we. I was talking about you and me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I'm in. All yeah. right, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's what I was referring to. But yes, those who 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 have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, yes. that's yeah, they'll get to meet Abel. So uh, is heaven real? What's meant by heaven? Because I think a lot of people confuse this issue. We you know when we think of heaven, what's the picture you get in your mind, Eric? Uh, floating on the cloud. Well, for me, it's more like I'm trying to imagine this cubed city. Uh, you know, with mansions and, and, and streets of gold, and I'm trying to, you know, conjure up this idea of what it might be like. Right, and that's what we usually think of. That place doesn't exist right now. Okay, so what about the whole, I go to prepare a place for you? Is, okay. I thought that's what he's yep. doing right now. He's, he's well, up there hammering away on the mansions, and he's doing my doghouse, and he's... <laughs> Here you go, yeah, Eric. not cat, not cats. We know all dogs go there <laughs> with cats. Right. Yeah. They get the other one. I'm at my doghouse um, that I'm going to live in. That's what I get. I mean, for <laughs> for all my all my work here. So usually, what we're thinking of when we talk about heaven is like the eternal state, or but really, if we want to get technical about this, is it, the Bible refers to it in the sense of where God dwells now. I mean, well, actually, there's like three. The Bible, Paul talks about the third heaven. Yeah. Um, so the way that we usually tend to think of that as the first heaven would be like our atmosphere, you know, the, the sky where the birds fly, that kind of thing. The second heaven would be beyond our outer space. So outer space and the, where the, the sun, moon, and stars would be. And then the third heaven would be the place where God dwells uh, currently. Uh, right. And it, it's, so it's more of the spiritual realm, uh, at, least this, at least a place within the spiritual realm um, where, where he dwells and the holy angels are. And... Is that it? Or are there others? Well, how about the departed saints? Are they there or are they in a... There, there's a lot of question about what's going on, but what, what I'm getting at is that in the future, there's going to be a new heaven, a new heavens and a new earth. And that golden city that we talk about in Revelation, that's called the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven and go, comes to the earth. That That's a new place as well. It's not something that it has existed since the beginning. Um, and, and I'll demonstrate that in just a little bit, but uh, we're given glimpses of that, that third heaven, if we want to use Paul's terminology there, in 1 Kings 22. You know, God is on his throne and all this heavenly host are around him, and he's convening this, what's called the divine council. Uh, you read about that in Psalm 82. It actually uses the terminology divine council. 
um, in the ESV or um, or some translation of the Council of the Gods or Council of God or the Assembly of God. Um, not the denomination, but which, yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, when I've talked to you about this before, the whole divine council thing, I find this stuff mind blowing and fascinating. Yeah, we don't have time to get into that today because that will be a oh, five hour episode. But man, there's so that's much good. more. We we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, if, if you guys have questions on that, so Isaiah six gives you a, a glimpse of that. Daniel seven gives you a glimpse of it, where the ancient of days is seated on the throne, and and the Son of Man approaches the throne. That's Jesus. The ancient of days is the Father. Uh, then you have in Revelation 4 and 5 something similar where God the Father is sitting on the throne and the Lamb approaches the throne or is at, at his right hand. And um, so, but you see those glimpses of what is currently there. And we kind of think of that as being heaven, but then we blend that with the the new Jerusalem that comes down out of, out of, out of heaven and comes to the new earth. But it's a different place if you go through Revelation. So the... The current heaven, according to Revelation 7, 15, according to 11, 19, according to 14, 15 through 17, according to Revelation 15, 5 through 8, Revelation 16, 1, Revelation 16, 17, a whole bunch of verses in Revelation talk about how that current heaven has a temple. Okay. Okay. And so it talks about the temple and the this angel comes out of the, the door of the temple or there, there's so many things that talk about the temple in heaven right now. But the New Jerusalem doesn't have a temple. Revelation 21 and 22, mm. 21 verse 22 says, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So the new heaven, the new earth is going to be different than what we currently have. So when you ask, is heaven real? Yes, it's. if you're referring to what's there now, where God dwells, that's real. It doesn't have to be part of our physical realm. Like you don't have to NASA try to look for it or anything like that, like it's way out. Yeah, I've you know, seen beyond the stars. I've seen reports it's, of that. I think you know we we yeah. finally saw into heaven. I remember as a kid, somebody bringing to me, look, they they think that Hubble telescope has discovered heaven, and it's like, wow. <laughs> of course, I was mind blown. Yeah. And, oh, so it, it's, can you see the gold streets? You know. <laughs> yeah. So it's not that, but it's um, it just because something's not in our physical world doesn't mean that there are not. I don't know if you want to say different dimensions, different realms, different you know. Um, the spiritual realm that is, uh, you could say, imminent or maybe transcends this world, but it doesn't make it less real. In fact, uh, some people might say it's more real. Mm. Uh, but the what's going to happen eventually is you have a new Jerusalem that comes down to the earth. And I know people trans, um, interpret Revelation all sorts of different ways. Uh, they're allowed to be wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I just think it, it's very telling that Revelation over and over and over again speaks of the, the current place right now where uh, God is. Yeah, so all those ones that you mentioned, 7, Yeah, so 11, chapter 7, 15, those... 11, 19, 14, verses That's 15 talking about the current heaven right now. Yeah, it, it, well, and it talks about having a temple. Over and over again, there's a temple there. And, and it's not the streets of gold. Right. Okay. So the current That's heaven is not comes... the new... The new Jerusalem is the streets of gold. The, uh, right. Interesting. Yeah, the description that you get in the last two chapters of Revelation, that's the New Jerusalem, that's the streets of gold, that's, that's different. Um, a that's different not what I've always might... pictured. That's interesting. I've always, uh, it's like, you know, you, you think, yeah, I'm at a funeral and I'm imagining, you know, somebody seeing the streets of gold right now and being amazed well, by God right now. And Yeah, we do the exact, uh, we do the same thing with with hell or the lake of fire too, don't yeah. we? Oh, that's true. Like, that's true. Because we, we picture like the departed, those who are, um, you know, un the unrighteous, the wicked, the people who will suffer uh, in the lake of fire. We, we call that hell right now. We 
we say that that's where they are. Well, eventually when Jesus returns and sets up judgment, then death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. So they're not currently in the lake of fire. Right. That's a different place as well. Uh, it's still a place of torment, but it's a different thing than what is currently there, if that makes sense. Yeah. So is so, heaven real? The answer, yeah. yes. Yep. Just don't confuse just because, it with the New Jerusalem. Yeah, and it, it's and it's not the place that's described in a lot of these popular books either. That's not what we're getting at. <laughs> we'll, we'll use the Bible as our source of information about heaven. Okay, so hang on, hang on, hang on. In that case, I want to ask, but we don't have time for it, but I'd love to ask what you thought about the movie Heaven is for Real. But um, we'll have to talk about that in another podcast. Yeah, especially because I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. Um, All right. So My wife watched it. So maybe if we want to talk about it, maybe I can watch it. No, it just brings a... it brings to my mind because I've heard skepticism of the movie. I've heard, you know, pro for the movie, con for the movie. And I'm going, okay, yeah. is this I, little boy that went there, is he claiming to have seen Streets of Gold or anything like that? Or And I think it's a mistake for us to – some people kind of mockingly call this like the heaven tourism industry. You know, the people who claim they had a trip to heaven and then they write about it and they make a lot of money on books and everything. I, I think there's a, a discussion to be had about that, but I don't think that, and some people, what they do, and I think they may make a mistake, is they lump all um, NDEs, near-death experiences, yeah. into that. And they say, well, this whole heaven tourism thing is, I don't buy this, this is a problem, there's no such thing as near-death experiences. Well, th that's those are different things. And uh, that that's a different topic. We, we can get into that another time, but there's some fascinating uh, things about that. So that might be a question you guys have, and uh, we can chat about that another time. But we've got other questions to address today, don't we? Eric? We do. I got one more, and this is a big one. A lot of people wonder about this one. Uh, Humberto asks this, what about the gap theory? Does Genesis chapter 1 teach the gap theory? And the gap theory is this idea that there was a gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. I was actually taught this in college. This is something that made me go, hey, maybe you young earth creationists are not right. Maybe there is time for millions of years between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. God created the heavens and then it was without form and void and God destroyed it. So let's get into this, Tim, because I find this one fascinating. All right. Well, Humberto, thanks for the question. And uh, Eric, I think you've met, you know, Humberto. I, um, I have up yeah, there, I'm, works up there. Yep. Well, he did. He's down closer to you now. He's down um, in Alabama. I miss that guy. A lot. Of, he's so much fun to work with. And uh, come back, Humberto. Um, <laughs> I mean, the guys who have re replaced you are good too. And uh, just miss, miss having you around. I miss making fun of soccer players. Oh, that's uh, funny. <laughs> all right. So the gap theory. Well, first of all, let's define what that is. In Genesis one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Stop. Okay. Insert you know, open up this big gap of time, then you can continue, continue with verse two and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face, you know that. So in between those two verses, you have a gap of indeterminate amount of time. If people say that the universe is 15 billion years old, fine, you dump the 15 billion years there. If it's 5 billion, fine, you dump the 5 billion there. And you can put as much time as you need to in there. And then God recreates everything in six normal length days. And you, it, it's, it is in many ways um, taking Genesis more in a more straightforward manner than a lot of the other views that are out there where people are trying to harmonize the, the deep time, the, mil the millions and billions of years, where they're trying to harmonize that with the Bible. This one does treat most of Genesis 1 in a straightforward manner, but it's just sticking a bunch of time right there, and, and it creates a lot of the same problems. But the, the, the view was first developed by a guy named Thomas Chalmers in 1804. He was a Scottish Presbyterian uh, minister. 
And uh, at the time, according to his own testimony, he wasn't even a believer. He was a pastor at the time, but he didn't even believe until like 1813, so nine years later. Wow. Uh, after, and, and you know what's interesting about him is it, he was in the news not that long ago uh, because of all the um, the battles, all the wars and everything, all the stuff going on in, in Iraq, in northern Iraq. Um, you might be wondering, what does that have to do with a Scottish Presbyterian? Right, well, I am. He started Christian schools there, hundreds of them. That some of them were being destroyed just in the last couple of decades because what? of all this this warring. So here's this guy who started the gap theory, but he also was became a very influential man who who uh, started Christian schools in the Middle East. Uh, so that's there's, amazing. There's an interesting, yeah, he's got an interesting history. But the whole idea it was really popularized in the Schofield Reference Bible in 1909. And I, and I had a it's question. In, it's in the quick. study notes. I had a question yeah. about that real quick. Was Thomas Chalmers, because I know um, James Hutton wrote his book, Theory of the Earth, in 1795, and here we mm -hmm. are nine years later, Thomas Chalmers inventing the gap theory. Theory of the Earth is really the one that opened the idea that maybe the Earth is billions of years older, or much older than people thought that it was. I don't know if they got to yeah, he wasn't there. at Yeah, he wasn't at billions of years yet, right. but millions of years. Yeah. yeah. So um, was this in response to the scientific community going, oh... We need to... Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's no question about that. It wasn't that he was the first um, scholar, first pastor to see this gap in the text because you have Jewish scholars throughout history who've been reading their own their, their own Bible, the, the, what we call the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew Bible. Um, they never saw a gap there. Mm. You don't see scholars putting... They didn't see it up until that point. Um, the Christian scholars for 1,800 years, they didn't see a gap. This is something that is in response trying to make room for for the millions and the billions of years. And so what they say is in between that time, God before this, God creates the angelic beings. Uh, he creates creatures on the earth. He creates you know all, what we find in the fossil record for the most part, we, those animals, dinosaurs, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, Satan rebels. And that causes a massive flood on the earth, and God judges everything with a worldwide flood. At that time, that's why in verse 2 it talks about the, the surface of the waters, because according to the, at that point, that's what they call Lucifer's flood, right. which is a, a misnomer, but um, we'll, that's a, another topic for another yeah. time. Uh, but then they'll say, well, the earth was without form and void, and that means it wasn't, it was just this wasteland, um, which actually, no, it just means it wasn't, God wasn't done completing, he wasn't finished creating things yet. Um, and they'll use Genesis 128 from the, like the King James version where it says that God told them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And they'll say, see, the other Bible say fill the earth. This one says replenish. It means, which today means to fill again, right? Right. To if refill. refill yep. Yeah. If you get a refill of your drink, you, you're replenishing your drink. That, that's a refill. That's not what it meant in 1611. It's just meant to fill. Yeah. But we see the prefix, we, what we think is a prefix, re, and we think, oh, it means to do it again. Well, that wasn't the case in 1611 with that particular word. Uh, it wasn't something that meant to refill. And even if it was, the Hebrew doesn't mean to refill. It just means to fill. And so ultimately we go back to that. And even that, I know the, the tohu wabohu without form and void, that, that Hebrew phrase, they use that, well, it was destroyed. And they get that from, uh, is it Jeremiah or Ezekiel, where the Bible says it's Ezekiel, where the Bible says... Uh, yeah, I think it's Jeremiah 4.23. Jeremiah 4, that's it, yeah. yeah. And uh, and he says, hey, the, he uses that exact same phrase. It's the only, only other place it's found in the Bible, tohu wabohu. And it's obviously talking about a destroyed world. Uh, 
But it's not, some people say, well, that's referring back to Genesis, and it's not. We know that no, because not. it says the birds of heaven were fled. It's talking about these things that, that weren't even created yet. So there's no way the, the passage in Jeremiah 4 is talking about or referring back to Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 when, it, right. when it's writing. Yeah, them. just because it uses the same phrase, it doesn't mean that it's talking about the same thing. I mean, same can, time period, right. Right, the same time period. So anytime you see the word day somewhere in the Bible, it's referring to one of the days of creation? No, that would be silly. Yeah. Um, so it, it, you're right, it's not referring to the, the creation. So it doesn't make sense to put it there. But there's a lot of problems with the gap theory, as there are with these other views that people try to use to put extra time in Genesis chapter 1 so they can try to make room for the millions of years. Yeah. Um, one, we've kind of hinted at it already. How come nobody came up with this beforehand? If the gap yeah. is really there in the text... Don't you think scholars would have seen that? That people who have studied the Bible their whole life would have said, hey, by the way, in the first two verses, I, I noticed there's room for a gap here. Now, now, nobody sees that. Now, a guy, but, not, a guy like John Lennox would actually say, the more science we've discovered, it's actually helped us interpret the Bible better. Uh, and I'd say, in some places, yes. In this place, yeah. definitely no. Right, exactly. In some places, yes. In some cases, no. No. Um, but each of those, you got to look at those on a case by case basis, yeah. and then you got to see if are we changing the meaning of the text just to fit what we want it to mean, or are we now seeing it in a better light? And that that's the way you would approach it. So, but here's some of the problems: one, day six can't be the sixth day if there were millions of years prior to that day. <laughs> so, I mean, if you look at the way it breaks down, it's um, day one. Okay, if you look at, then it's a second day, a third day, a fourth day, a fifth day, but then it's the sixth day. So it has to be the sixth day in order to have the definite article in front of it. Um, but again, that whole idea of replenish, that doesn't mean what people thought it means. Um, here's another problem, and this is what a lot of people don't recognize, because a lot of the people who've add, added the billions of years to the Bible or attempted to, they still want a worldwide flood in Noah's day. But you can't have one. Because if those fossil layers that we find are really evidence of this so-called Lucifer's flood... Then you can't have another one, flood that destroys all that. Right. And same thing true with the other views that don't even call for Lucifer's flood. So the day-age theory and all these things where they just say, oh, that's just slow and gradual process over millions of years. You can't have a worldwide flood then because it would wipe out those layers. So they have to reinterpret that to mean like it was a local flood or a regional flood or... This is really silly. It's a worldwide flood that left no evidence. Yeah. <laughs> which is, is an oxymoron, really. Floods it, leave evidence. Yeah. yeah you definitely but, know. Yeah. And there, there are so many more problems with it. But here's the big one. Every one of these views that adds the millions of years to the Bible, it necessarily puts millions of years worth of suffering, bloodshed, thorns, disease, and death before Adam's sin. And the Bible tells us those things are a result of Adam's sin. They came about after sin. So if you think about it, um, Adam, if you eat from this fruit, this tree, you you will surely die. Adam looks around, there's death all over the place. So what, God? Everything else dies It's going to happen like, anyway. Yeah, what's right. the big deal? Or, or they, they'll say, oh, it's just animal death. Okay, well, it, you know, that, that only, um, that Adam's sin only brought death to humanity. Right. Well, even if we want to grant them that, which I don't, I don't. But even if we did, it still tells us very clearly that thorns are a result of sin, and yet we find thorns in the fossil record from things that are allegedly 35 million years old or even 400 million years old. And disease uh, so, in the fossil record. Yeah, and disease. Those things came about because of sin. The Bible is very clear that thorns came about because of sin. And if they were there before and God says now that it's going to produce thorns, and Adam could say, so what, God? There's already been thorns. If, 
if that's what happened, then what did sin do to the world? Yeah. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Why did Jesus Christ come to die? Right. There, if death there, is part of his creation, part of how he did this, then, then why, die? Why, why did he have to be the last Adam? Right. And, and here's the thing. That means he would have called it very good, a world full of suffering, disease, death, mm-hmm. thorns, all that stuff. That was very good according to Genesis 131. After the sixth day, everything he had made was very good. And then why would death be an enemy if it's the way he made it and it's very good and it's just how he liked it? Why would 1 Corinthians 15, 26 call it an enemy? And why, if if Adam's sin doesn't bring about physical death, then why does why is the solution to sin the physical death of Jesus Christ on the cross and the physical bodily resurrection from the grave? It it makes a huge inconsistency between what Genesis teaches and what the New Testament teaches. And so, yes, people can trust in Jesus Christ. They can they can be saved. They can they can love the Lord and believe the gospel, and they. Are very, they might be very inconsistent with how they interpret what happened in Genesis. They're undermining their own foundation for the message of the cross. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately, and I've got friends who believe the gap theory. There are apologists out there that believe the gap theory. There's actually a couple of different theories out there to try to bring together the the modern scientific world or what they believe has been proven scientifically with with um, with the millions of years and the Bible. Uh, more than, to there's more than a couple different views. In fact, the first book I ever wrote was all about that. It's called That's Old right. Earth Creationism on Trial. So, hey, there's our product segment. That was hey, unplanned. there you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get Old Earth Creationism on Trial wherever books are sold. But you want right. to get it from, from Cur- my website, from risenmin.com. Or That's from, right. Uh, Eric, do you guys have it at creation today? We Of course we've got it at creationtoday.org. <laughs> but okay. go, Go to Tim and make him ship a book to you. I, I want to see. That. I want to see him do some work. Okay, risenmen.com. <laughs> All right, but it well, is—it's a compromise, though. And what I love about this—I know we're out of time—but to me, when you when you try to put the the, the flood there in between Genesis one and one and one two, you're you're really missing things. That what the flood does is the flood wipes out every old earth belief. The flood of Genesis seven takes away every old earth belief that there is. I mean, that accounts for the fossils. That accounts for why radiometric dating. Why do we get some of the dates we get? Why? What happened to the dinosaurs? How the Grand Canyon formed? All these things, um, uh, the, the entire geologic cr- column is explained through the, the catastrophic event of the flood, the worldwide flood. Well, so. the, the vast majority of it, you've got Ice Age, you've got That's other true. catastrophes too on top of that, but it's um, yeah, but the vast majority of it is through the worldwide flood. That's, I mean, that's what they are. Sedimentary layers. They're laid down by water. Yep. And you, yeah, that's a, that's another topic for another time. But uh, <laughs> hey, we do need yeah. to sometime. Matter of fact, if you guys want to hear what the other views are and a discussion of the other views on how to mix the old earth with the uh, with the Bible and some of the, the ideas that have come up, write in to bqa at creation today. Just bqa at creation today and we'd love to uh, answer those questions for you. Right. So is that a wrap for this one, Eric? I think so, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Tim, thank you, man. I sure do love learning from you and learning this information and answering questions. Now go out there and share your faith, live your faith everywhere and every day. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And remember to send in those questions. And uh, we're happy to be done with five episodes now. Woo-hoo! In the we're can, rolling. baby. So, all right. Uh, Eric, thanks for for joining me, and I've had a lot of fun so far. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Bible Q&A podcast. If you have a question you would like Tim and Eric to address on the program, please send an email to bqa at creationtoday.org.
The views expressed on the Bible Q&A podcast do not necessarily represent those of other ministries with which Tim and Eric are affiliated. Thank you for listening.